Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Rob. What's happening this Friday? Friday? Friday. No, the thing that we should talk about. Waypoint. Five. God damn it. <laughs> Burying shit at the end of a two-hour podcast. I'll put it All back at the stream. front again. I'll put it Thank back at the front. I put Thank it at the front last time too. People, people enjoyed it. <laughs> I'll do. Hey, I'll I told do people to find us on Twitch at. I didn't, did I? No. Twitch.tv slash Waypoint. <laughs> anyway, that's where you'll find us all day long on Friday, starting at 10 a.m. Yeah. Playing games with friends of Waypoint, past and present. Uh, everyone's favorite games that they've been keen to hear us talk about, like Duskers. Uh, <laughs> <is that something? laughs> you can join us to celebrate five years of Waypoint at twitch.tv slash Waypoint this Friday, October 29th, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, going through the day to 6 p.m. Eastern-ish around those times. Keep an eye out on the Twitter twitter.com slash waypoint for more information as it becomes available. See you then. What's good, Internet? It's October 26th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 437. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Patrick Lapik. Hello. Producer, Ricardo Contreras. You. And today we welcome freelance writer, Bullet Points editor, and unwinnable columnist, Yusuf Cole, fresh from the Marvel Cinematic Universe Game Universe, where he <laughs> reviewed Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy for Waypoint. Oh, please, 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 please. It is Marvel's <laughs> Avengers is the formal name of the Avengers game. This is not Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. It is just Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's please, let's get it right. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I, should, I should really know. I should have known that. It's a weird uh, quirk. I'm like obsessed with the fact that it's called Marvel's The Avengers and not and not just the I, I don't I'm sure there is some branding SEO, some explanation for why it ended I mean, up they that have way. to differentiate uh, themselves from the Avengers down yeah. under. Damn. Well, Kato solved it. Oh, there you uh, go. Don't need SEO to do any, really no important. further reporting required. That's what that movie's Please called, no right? Hold on. Coming to my, the uh, Avengers Down Under? Yeah, right? No, it's the Rescuers <laughs> Down Under. God damn it. I, what? <laughs> there's a different movie called The Avengers, right? The, that's based oh, on the, 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 the old TV show. show. Yeah. Wasn't oh, yeah, a big fan of The Avengers. <laughs> that Avengers. I, why did I think it was Avengers? Rescuers. A little... little you're that, you're a, close. A you, just, you, just miss, yeah. you just missed a few words. It's <laughs> a few... <laughs> Crucial words in a yeah. short phrase, but other, other than that, Kato, it. it nailed it. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, super happy to be here. And thanks for the chance to play um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy game. It was actually fun. We'll talk about that, I guess. But I had, had a good time. Well, you know, let's let's take that a little bit before we dive into the game to set the terms for our discussion. I'm just curious to go around the room here. How do we all feel? about the guardians um my my relationship with them only comes through the movies really like i've read a few comics where they pop up 
but I've never been like a reader of that series. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I run real hot or cold on the movies. Like I find them grating and charming in equal measure. And sometimes at the same time. Oh, so you just um, described a James Gunn film. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I will say. Like, and, and that's pre Guardians, right? Like if you go back and watch, you know, Super or Slither, if you're interested in like non, you know, superhero James Gunn, Slither, I think is his most approachable body horror. Uh, but like that's that's just like that shtick has existed because he comes from trauma. And like that's also <laughs> that's what trauma does. Yeah, so I mean, like, uh, yeah. for me, like, when I'm when I'm reading Yusuf's review, I'm like, well, this sounds like a pretty faithful, like, boy, they sure <laughs> seem to have gotten the spirit of what you're signing up for with the Guardians film, and that seems good and bad. Uh, but but I'm like, for some people, I imagine it's probably going to be better. Uh, so I'm curious, like, uh, where the rest of you all stand when it comes to the Guardians as they currently exist as like pop culture objects. Yeah, I I am with you, I think, generally in, in seeing the movies as definitely charming in a certain way, but also not something I would like re- easily recommend as just like a perfect film. Like it's definitely like a fun ride, but I also find the main character incredibly annoying. <laughs> a lot of the elements of the uh, movies are a little weird, like the way... I mean, it's so it's so much like a like a fantasy wish fulfillment like situation where it's like you know in a similar ways to Ready Player One actually, where it's like <laughs> you're nerdy, uh, you're a nerd, you're a loser, but if you went to space, you'd be really cool because you know Earth <laughs> references from a really ra- narrow yeah, range, incredibly like- narrow. Yeah, so like it it has that like uh, or like Last Starfighter, like kind of that like nerd fulfillment fantasy um that makes it hard to be fully spot on onto it because it's like a very specific fantasy but at the same time i do think the movies are are well crafted and really funny and funny in a way that is I mean, you see like sort of the the roots of the whedon voice or, or at least at least something like parallel to the whedon voice where it's kind of quipping nonstop uh in the middle of like a dangerous situation but i think because it's like it's a little bit less at stake in at least in the movies. It is a lot easier to to get on board with that. You're like, this is just a funny movie. Similar to Thor Ragnarok, where you're like, this is a movie that I can enjoy for the writing, for the just like the 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 humor, the comedy, and not have to worry about like the bigger stakes. So it, it, I did watch rewatch them recently, like before the game, to kind of refresh myself. And I did read some of the comics, and the comics were. Just like, yeah, I really enjoyed, I think I really appreciated what the movie did to like make the comics a lot more interesting. Like the actual like comics themselves feel very comic booky. Like they just, and they have that like pop cultural reference and pastiche modality, but like the movies I think are just probably the best iteration at this point. Uh, Yeah, I, you know, I'm someone that uh, has deeply enjoyed or at least has really enjoyed much of the the uh, the MCU, I, th- I think Disney should give up the rights to all that shit and pay those estates. I I also can I can <laughs> I can live in both worlds. Um, and but I'm someone who like, well, I did this up until I had kids. But usually, like an MCU movie, MCU movie would come out. I'd have no, 
you know, my understanding of comics was like, I know what Batman and Superman is. Like, that just was not part of my world growing up. And so I'd watch one of these movies and then like, at, like look online for like interesting arcs to read. So I think after when I saw the Guardians movie, like a lot of people were like, oh, read the Annihilation arc, uh, um, which was, you know, something from the 2000s that, you know, encompassed a bunch of different cosmic Marvel stuff. Um, so like, do you want to know who, you know, like Richard Ryder and like the Nova Corps and like and all that. So I, I spent a couple of weeks like plucking through that particular bit, which like brought in Guardians and brought in a bunch of other like side characters and kind of the space stuff, which is basically like Guardians is like the one and only sort of exploration of that entire side of Marvel Comics in the MCU, which is like mostly just Earth based or space based things coming to Earth. Um so, yeah, and I, and I both, I really enjoyed the movie. I mean, I, James Gunn is a, uh, you know, a filmmaker who I've enjoyed from the horror side and so was deeply curious to see his application in, like, a mainstream film. And I thought Guardians was, like, a really interesting way of him t- tamping his, you know, uh, sort of sensibilities down and, and finding a way to make that, you know, more broadly uh sort of appealing I, I i like both those movies they i think they do the best job of making chris pratt palatable for audiences that maybe <laughs> just don't particularly care for him at all like i watched parks and rec and like ideological issues with that show aside like found him quite charming and so it was like not an easy or not a hard leap for me to go to that movie um but i also think the movies like do and this maybe this gets us into the to the game is like i do think that the two the takes on peter quill in the film which is much more look at this dumbass being a dumbass and like essentially not being a particularly good leader. The, 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 ga- the game takes a lot of cues from what Gunn established, you know, tonally, um, but actually like has some interesting, it takes Peter Quill in a slightly different direction, but I guess we're running this out. Kato, where do you, where do you land on this stuff as well? I, um, I mostly just enjoyed the first movie. They didn't really, uh, the second, by the time the second one rolled around, I was kind of, waning on my interest of the MCU as a whole, really. Um, I felt like I've never, I had, you know, I was a big uh, comics reader around the time Civil War was happening uh, and was kind of interested in the more um, one world where these all, all these things are happening at the same time feel of those kind of big comic events. And so I never really got into any of the Guardians, like individual run stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember them popping up every once in a while. So I've never had really any comics connection to them, even though I read a lot of, like, the big Marvel events around, I don't know, when was that? 2007-ish? Uh, that time. So, like, the, the the humor of the first one kind of landed all right enough, but, like, I was less interested in, like, how this would connect to the rest of the MCU. And, like, this so, like... I've kind of, you know, kind of down on the 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 enterprise in general. I just like, uh, didn't didn't really uh follow through. I guess after the first one. So that brings us to the game, uh, which I do feel is like in the nature of video games, you often kind of just miss the trend because of how long games take to to make. Um, and so I'm I'm kind of curious, like. You know, as, as as we get into the game, is it is it trying to complicate Guardians? Is it trying to uh, because you have longer than the running time that a movie does? Is it trying to get a little more into who they are as characters, or is it? Does it feel like the brief really is 
just like bring the fun people had watching these movies uh, to to their console and like hit them with those exact beats and that exact vibe. Yeah, I mean, as there's definitely things where you're like, oh, this is happening because it's a game like you're like, uh, you know, it's about 15 hours. I think I spent on it. So a lot of the plot beats would have been fine in a two hour movie <laughs> like you were like. <laughs> Uh, they start to get along better, uh, you know, or like uh, the, these this particular menace is resolved. But then what's interesting is that like the game actually will then, in ways that could be perceived as padding, but are actually are pretty fun, where it takes you on complete detours, where you're like, here, go to this like world and meet this like heavy metal looking lady that's from the comics. And that's like completely <laughs> like a, a distraction like you do it to pay a like fine that you <laughs> accrued in the movie like... <laughs> in the movie adaptation of this which like yeah. you totally could have done it would have just yeah. been like a two-minute scene and then like cut to montage of them like running from you know lady hellbender like on, yeah, on that planet. yeah uh, but here Absolutely. you get to spend and this, this game is like surprisingly talky um mm-hmm. and to, to the point where Given yes, the because material even? Y- yes, yes, because huh. it, what what I mean by that is, um, yes, like the, the dynamic between the characters based on like what the comics started and like, you know, Gunn sort of like, you know, uh, canonized in his like version of it on in the movie is, yeah, that they're like quippy characters sitting around in a room like sniping at one another um, as this dysfunctional but like lovable family. And that, that part is totally here. And obviously like that is going to lend itself to like lots of situations where the characters are talking at one another, but they really don't ever shut the fuck up. And in, in a way where it's like in, in ways that are somewhat interesting, um, like uh, this, this game has collectibles, right? And like, like not a ton. Like one is like collect some cool costumes and the other is collect uh pretty easily found uh, uh, these like uh, items that you can use to upgrade a pretty linear set of things like more health, more shield, like your your guns uh, can power up, yada yada. Um, but anytime you any like anytime you go to do that, like the characters are commenting on the fact that you're going to do that. You're like, why? Like, hey, like we're supposed to be going forward. Like we're going to the right, and that sounds like something that could get very annoying very fast. But I think it's like a pretty strong compliment to the writing that I was always interested to see how the game was going to comment on what I was doing, and that there would probably be enough decent quips in there that it was worth even just poking around to see when would someone like, like, let's say, let's say you go off track and then, uh, you're going off track cause you're pretty sure like you, one of the upgrades is it can tell you where a collectible is and you could go left or right. And it, it really just is to the right. And if you just choose to go left because you want to see, is the game going to acknowledge that I went left and the game almost more times than not acknowledge that I went left. And the, then the characters have a, it's not even just quips like there'll be a little side story or like a little insight into some 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 background information about one of the characters. Or it adds like meaningful color in a way that it, you could tell the designers were within this box they made for themselves, finding ways to get a little out of it in a way that I found more often than not, like kind of impressive and, and interesting and reflective. Of like, hey, the player is off doing these kind of quirky gamey things. How can the like the writing acknowledge what what they're doing? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that is some of my favorite stuff in the game. The way it, it adds texture narratively through like uh, commentary. It's almost like Dragon's Dogma in a way. <laughs> See, ah, oh no, look what you've done. <laughs> Austin, the- you just appeared. <laughs> he just like pops up on screen. Uh, <laughs> but like like in that vein of like 
you know, you're on a quest with other NPCs. Like in most games, they're just going to be appendages to you. And they are here as well. But like narratively and textually, they actually feel like they are commenting and seeing what you're doing and like re responding to it. And the other way I like uh, I thought was interesting on that vein was, and I wrote about it in my review, like I really liked that you could use them to open certain passages. Um, and then like, what would happen if you pick the wrong person to like, you know, try and get Gamora to lift a rock or like, there, there's always to, like, a little bit. It's like, and they're just right. Like, Cause in, in, yeah. in, in a lot of these games, you'd expect it would just, uh, you know, uh, X out or it would just be like, there'd be like, a, Ugh. but like every time you do that, you're encouraged to just, well, see what they would do because you get, you get something out of it. And I, I think that shows mm -hmm. such like a level of attention to detail that I found, uh, or at least that I appreciated. Patrick, you also mentioned something else that sort of reminds me of something else that came up in, in Yusuf's review, which is the notion that these are characters who don't shut the fuck up. And I think in the in a, in, in a movie, like, I think it often feels they're, they're a fractious group. And I think the movies have been very dedicated to this. We're going to dig deep and we're, we're going to come together, uh, you know, as as a team of super friends or a family, uh, a found family to to pull this together and, and save the day. And save each other. And you said you writing in your review, uh, it did feel like the game might be paying off a little bit more on this notion of this is a dysfunctional group and not always in a uh, like not always just like played, not purely played for laughs, but just there are times they really do collide and butt up against each other in frustrating ways. And that ties into like where Quill stands in relation to this gang. And and I'm curious, like, does it, do, does it give us a bit more in that relationship than, than we've seen in the films? Does it have a little more room to explore, um, explore those contradictions in your view, you sort of make a, um, you know, among the many parallels you find in this game, because it is a bit of a, a paint by numbers exercise. You, you shout out Mass Effect, uh, for instance, and, and I'm curious. Like, does 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 the game have space to explore the fact that, like, if you actually had to deal with these people all the time and watch them butt up against each other, it'd be a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like Patrick says, they never shut up. So you know, if you do, you do not have any, you don't have any any personal space. You got your room, but there was. They're always coming into it anyway, or like kind of busting into it. <laughs> or you'll still, or you'll still hear like them yeah. chattering in the in the common area while you're you know looking at whatever collectible <laughs> yeah. item that you, that you found. Like the, the, you're always wherever you go in that was at the Milano, like the ship. Like you are, there's yeah. always something pipe to the point where I don't know if you encountered this, Yusuf. Where uh, I'm definitely someone that can like tell when a video game is going to cut off dialogue for me if I go too far down like a corridor. And so you do the awkward video gamey thing of like, well, time to stay in here <laughs> while this ends. And mm -hmm. at a certain point, I kind of gave up with it with Guardians because mm -hmm. it talks so frequently that mm -hmm. I, I, I actually couldn't <laughs> anticipate when it was going to cut those things off and just can't just like learn to live with the fact that, all right, well, that little aside is now gone permanently and we're just on to the next one but because there's so many of them like i i didn't find myself as frustrated by it as much as it was just like oh that's just what this game is it's just a stream of consciousness dialogue that is playing at all times yeah and where mass effect i mean mass effect the comparisons are easy to make because you're on a ship with crewmates uh but as i mentioned in the review like that you definitely do not have the level of like 
plumbing through dialogue options as you would in that or in like in a buyer like a um or like a oblivion or elder scrolls uh type game um it's like very that's that part like kind of directly talking to them feels a lot more limited um it's also tied but, to collectibles yeah. which sucks um yeah yeah you so need to find the right item to trigger it yeah it's a bummer like some of the best writing in the game where it's just characters like talking at each other and like really getting into some of their emotional backstories is tied to again collectibles that aren't super hard to find but they aren't marked on your special peter quill visor um as long as you're poking around the environment you're gonna find a handful but yeah like i definitely get the sense that like oh i feel like i probably despite being careful you know missed half a dozen you know i'm i'm like nine or ten chapters in, into the game i have i have mm-hmm. two, two of four i assume four uh elemental upgrades to, mm-hmm. to peter quill <laughs> um uh and those are some of my favorite like you know it's one of the few times where the game slows down and mm-hmm. uh it had a lot of interesting exchanges where like they could just talk back and forth for you know five-ish minutes um but like gating those behind a a collectible i thought was a unfortunate choice especially given it's not just like hear an interesting line from the character or like unlock a uh something in the you know in your encyclopedia it's like no like do you want to have like the actual back and forth dialogue between two characters uh we'll make sure you're poking around and finding the chitari you know uh you know armor piece or whatever yeah um that's very true i but yeah i don't think i got all the collectibles but i also don't really feel like i missed a lot of story like I had ended up like, yeah, for me, it was like kind of a, that that was a bonus when it happened. But in comparing and comparing it to the movies, I I'm not like, yeah, I'm kind of torn a bit on the question because I actually think that like you could like the movies do go pretty deep into like the dysfunctionality, especially the second one. I feel like the second one is just like therapy version like of the first movie where they're just like all the characters like he meets his dad, there's the edible thing, like uh then you have Gamora and her sister like have their arc, side arc so like uh I think it's really like carrying that like that legacy or that lineage forward in the games obviously because you're spending more time with them uh, you're getting a bit more of of like what of how they respond to, situ- to situations but like the, like in some ways it's actually more like formulaic than the movies because all the char- like you mentioned the characters have power ups they but they only get power ups after they have some kind of re- revelation about themselves <laughs> so they basically like every each character is like like Groot had a revelation he can now like do <laughs> a suplex oh, is that something. is that how the the fourth power so the way this game yeah, is structured yeah. is like in every combat like major combat encounters when they finish uh you get like a certain amount of xp that fills a meter um and then if you like perform combat well you get like a bonus on top of that and like as that fills up you get one two three points and so it's like you're buying you're buying these abilities like the game's the game's combat flow is when you get dropped into something yes you play as peter quill who is essentially just a he is pretty boring to play as um but you are mostly just like deploying the other characters powers and finding different ways to link them together the game has you know, if you link them together, like, correctly, you can get, like, these damage bonuses that, like, stack up, uh, you know, across um, attacks. And so that's a lot of, like, the experimenting you're doing as their powers are on, on cooldowns. And then as you get these ability points, you can unlock uh, additional powers for them. And each of them has three, and then a fourth is a question mark. So I, I wasn't sure how the fourth, because okay, yeah. I, I just unlocked my first, like, third level power. And I was like, oh, maybe if I get the third one, then the fourth one will just 
like become purchasable through ability points. But it turns out it sounds like it's tied to a narrative, like getting over, like having a breakthrough in therapy results in group being able to do, (laughs) you know, super, super tree powers. Exactly. Yeah, but the designers thought they were real clever when they thought that one, that one up. <laughs> <laughs> but it is that, yeah, it's like kind of a milestone. So you, you can't really miss it or or need to purchase it. Like once you get past a certain point with the character, like once a character gets past a certain narrative milestone, they will have like their ultimate power, which is just like a stronger version of their current powers. Like actually, like the combat was interesting. I didn't really feel like... I was being that strategic. Like it was very. No, it's more like it's. There's it's only so bad. many things you can do. Like, yes. It, or so many and they all kind of do the same, it. roughly the same thing. You know, it's like yeah. you, like Groot's first two powers, like one is he like coils together a bunch of enemies, keeps them in place. The other one is he sh- he shoots them into the air briefly, which is basically <laughs> just coil them, coiling them together and keeping them in place, but like above <laughs> the ground. Uh, then like uh, Rocket's first two powers are like, function very similar like one's a grenade and then one's a grenade that lifts them off the ground a little bit <laughs> and there. And not, they're not all and then then you have Gamora like her first power is is like a big sword strike and then her second is dashing around to like multiple enemies and, and I swear Drax's, to god if she air juggles enemies I believe uh and then and then Drax's like his his first power is uh like a big like punch strike and the difference between Gamora and, and Drax on that front is there's a stamina meter associated with enemies. And so Drax, mm-hmm. Drax does a lot of stamina hit and Gamora does a lot of like attack hit. So you, and you can stagger folks. So you can start to see how like build up the stamina, yeah. like, you know, stagger and then hit them with the physical items. And, uh, uh, and then what, is, and then uh, Drax's second power is uh, the game. Like he, he'll hit people in a, like in a row, which I was trying to figure out like, how is that going to work? Like that seems really difficult to line up. And the game just kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, just kind of like fudges it's, things yeah. a little bit. It's like very all of a sudden, forgiving. <laughs> all of a sudden, a couple of enemies that were like a few feet away from each other brrr, kind of like, like mash up so he can he can yeah. he can run them down. Um, a lot of, there's just, a lot of shortcuts, like because they they have stuff like the environment will have specific con- context buttons. So I like that. That like, stuff was neat. I wish there was which more. Which is fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's like a rock. You could have Drax throw it, but he'll just like teleport to the rock and throw it. Like it's yep. like very, yeah. This, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's for what it is. It's, it's like fine. You know, it's very much like a fine battle system. Like that, that evokes the feeling from the movie of like them being in a big huddle and just the chaos of, of battle. Um, There's too much of it though, is, is my, yeah. like for the, it, it's it's for how complex of, it is, yeah. yeah for how for, complex or, it is, how lack for, of complexity. <laughs> yeah, for 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 how much it is, for how much combat you end up in, for the length of the game, uh, the fact that mostly for the for the most part you can just spam things, and th- there is, I did find like there were moments where, and this only happened occasionally. Maybe it would be something that was extracted more on a harder difficulty level. I don't know, but there were sequences where like I would figure out with a certain enemy types. Um, the correct way to chain all those together to get all the damage bonuses, like to to mm-hmm. stack. And I'm doing that while like dashing, so I'm like hitting L1, like bringing up one character, selecting their power, like using Quill's like elemental thing to chain together these three enemies with electricity because they were grouped together. But then I've got like a bigger Sentry enemy that I'm then uh, switching to my freezing power to like stagger them. And like there were moments where like I saw a glimpse of I saw like what they bu- like what they built and were hoping to get out of the game. And I just don't think they got anywhere near like quite achieving 
like the promise of like what they were setting up. It mostly made me more excited for the I forget what the game's called, the 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 uh the Firaxis game that's coming out. Um because uh really like if I could just pause the game fully and have like assigned actions, I think I might have enjoyed the tactical layer of their combat more than trying to do everything in real time. Oh, Midnight Suns. Midnight Suns, yes. Yes. I think it was um for me, like I I agree and I think like obviously a common um like a retort when you say that the combat is you could spam it is like to do harder difficulty. I don't yeah. actually think that harder would feel better, be, partially because um, it's like the actual movement doesn't feel good, especially when you're no. playing as Quill. Like <laughs> Quill feels like a tank. Uh, he's uh, super sluggish. He has unlimited dashes, which feels weird. Like it, like he it's a kind of like a bit of fast and slow at the same time, and like yeah. his and you're like shots. Because you have the little two two guns, but they they don't really feel that substantial. No, like, the P the P shooters don't. They're really absolutely feel like you're P doing shooters. A whole lot. Yeah, <laughs> and like yeah, like there's just a little bit too much imprecision um, to actually feel like playing it harder would be rewarding. It would I feel like it would just be like you'd be easier to die and you'd be more like you have to do more dodging. Um, but yeah, I think it's like, it, it, I guess I, I agree if in in with more time with more polish with like maybe a different approach that battle system could be really cool because you see elements of it in other games for sure. I mean, even, even like something like, uh, like divinity, original sin, like where you have like different, like, um, elements meeting each other in, mm-hmm. in like kind of playing off of each other. You see like a system like that, which is, you see the chaos that it, it can, it can create emergently. Like this feels like very much like a, like, uh, like a, a very baby version of that. <laughs> like well, there, that there, yeah. actually like, it's not that, not actually that flexible. And, 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 and all, um, I just, I, a lot of it actually came out of like the enemy design just being like the, uh, not like aesthetically, but in terms mm-hmm. of like what the enemies are doing, like the, it doesn't throw that many wrinkles at you. Like occasionally they have like elemental tied shields. I'm not sure like how they, these enemies predicted they're like, ah, the thing that we will, will prevent us from being killed by these guardians <laughs> is like, well, he's got those, these, <laughs> the, the narratively conveniently timed Peter Quill unlocking, you know, ice bullets, uh, that, that is occurring throughout <laughs> the story. And then they somehow have ice shields, uh, when they, when they find him. Um, but like, there's one of my favorite boss fights, which is unfortunately over like a little too soon is like the, I think they're called the, the blood brothers or the red brothers. Oh, like yeah. these two, the blood brothers. These, yeah, these these two big kind of like Hulk-looking characters who uh, their power is that when they're near near one another, I don't know, they harness the energies of each other, yada yada yada. Basically, <laughs> when they get close to one another, they have these um, invincible armor suits on, and so a lot of what you're doing is like using the other characters to try and distract one enemy to pull them apart so that then their armor comes off and you can start chipping away at their stagger. Um, and like I found that to be like dynamic and interesting in a way um, and forced me to use a lot of like Peter Quill's like movement stuff. It's like, I need to be constantly on the move and dashing and like getting away out of these, out of these characters attacks in order to like, you know, maximize my chances of survival. Um, but I also never, I think I died in this game once. It's not a game and you touched on this use of any review. Like it's a game that is pro- propulsing you forward. Um, mm-hmm. And so like the, even just by, you know, my suggestion of like a higher difficulty, maybe, brings out a more of the combat. It's like, well, I don't feel like this is a game that wants you to die all that often. Like it wants mm-hmm. you to keep moving forward, get to the next thing, get to the next fight, get to the next like beautifully rendered, you know, Citadel or whatever it is that you're, you're getting to. It's a game that is, is very much about just like pressing on and getting to the next bit. Yeah. I, I would start a question where 
you're talking about maybe if if they've been able to put a little bit more into the this combat but the weird thing is as I, as reading as I was, as I was reading the review uh the other thing they they're doing is that you know they they leave no triple a action game convention unturned <laughs> like in 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 sort of uh your experience but the other the other part of that that I was sort of thinking is it it is doing so much but on the other hand it does seem to be taking a very guardians approach which is okay well here's a new thing here's a new set piece here's a new here's a new concept we're going to throw at you real quick and i don't know like yes i it, it sounded the, the funny thing is i was reading it and i was like yeah this does all sound pretty conventional and, and kind of mediocre and then there's the this other part of me it's like but there sure is a lot of it and it sure <laughs> does seem like it, there's a whole lot of like guardians escapades going on like at the speed of light here and i was like when i'm in a guardians move i might want that kind of game but it also sounds like it, just the lack of polish makes some of the stuff just grindy. And I'm curious, in that tension, which ended up winning out? Did the did the Guardian's charm, uh, you know, carry, win through? Or did the whole, like, a middling video game is a middling video game sometimes? Um, I'm curious where, where, mm -hmm. it, where it ended up uh, resolving. Yeah, that's that's a good question, <laughs> which I thought I was definitely, like, balancing my head as I played it and wrote about it. Because, yeah, I think, like, I mean, for example, I just watched uh, the Venom sequel, Carn the Carnage movie. And I'm like, this is a, this is a really enjoyable C movie, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. C, like C plus movie. Like, this is not a good movie, <laughs> but I, I love the characters. They have so much charm and they're skipping a lot of the bullshit that a lot of comic book movies do, like, kind of get up to where they try and get over a serious um, and then, or the too much lore backstory <clears throat> and Tom, Tom Hardy knows yeah. what movie he's in. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So like, you're just like, you can forgive so much because of that. Um, and I don't know, this is not, this doesn't have any Tom Hardy's in it, but <laughs> you know, it's like, but I would say it, for me, I fell more on the, this is pretty enjoyable. This is like, a, this is like a, hol uh, a holiday game, you know, like if you're like kind of chilling out after like Thanksgiving dinner, like or later, you know, whatever, uh, have time off and want to play like a bubblegum game that is, I think the story does have some like pretty interesting elements. And I don't know if like you, if we want to get into spoilers, but I will talk a little bit about just like um, the, the kind of the, I guess I would call it like the dad scare of the game or like the 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 paternal element to it because he has like a character in the game that it's pretty convinced is his daughter so i think that's like like i think they actually did a pretty interesting job of like of winding something i mean basically combining combining tropes into something that was like actually like felt somewhat unique just because of the nature of the tropes because like essentially like like when you first meet this girl like you're you have a lot of you have and they have kind of like a branching conversational options that they don't really end up changing the plot too much it's more like adding flavor similar to something like Titanfall too where you kind of like you're able to kind of say something and it's going to be more affecting how you, like you you approach the game versus like the actual outcome but with this 
character, you can kind of either like sympathize with her or empathize with her and be like, yeah, parents don't understand. Like I'm a grown up <laughs> kid too. Or you can those be bits like, were, no. Those bits are really, really good. Yeah. I thought that stuff was like really smart where it's like, yeah, he is like a grown up kid. What the hell? Like, how's he going to like be this like responsible figure? Um, or like kind of how does, you know, like the idea of like act, like, like, is he going to act responsible? Is he going to be able to like fill those shoes despite being somebody who's like his entire life has been like just complete nihilist, like hedonist um, escape. Um, and so it's like seeing that because like the actual like, you know, like, you know, the, the idea of like the dad game is a trope at this point. But I think because it bounces off of um, the Guardian's uh, setup and like and Peter Quill's like um, character, it ends up being pretty entertaining to like to role play out a little bit. They get they get they give him a darker like Quill gets. I'm not super familiar like with all the different ways of like what Quill's actual comic origin story is, but like as opposed to the film version, which is a little bit of a softer, you know, uh, uh, like he in this in this one he like rots in prison for years after being abducted oh, yeah. from his family, yeah. um, yeah. and his father, who is the king of some planet, Spark, like, Spark just, Boy. Yeah, like never comes for him. Like, like Quill has like multiple uh, like allusions to like like contemplating like taking his life like while being rotted and ab- like his mother has died. His alien father, who he just found out about because he was abducted by <laughs> aliens on 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 Earth, like as they shot his mother to death. Like mm-hmm. it sets like they the, they set up like I think they do a pretty decent job of like setting up like his dad complex and like why he would you know as they you know introduce this like is he or isn't he. Uh, arc to the character and, and also even in, in the game itself they sort of like started from a place of whereas the movies are uh, him like getting this this Guardians of the Galaxy together learning what does it mean to be a hero I'm bad at it and I'm kind of bumbling because that's like mm-hmm. fits a lot of Chris Pratt's like what he does good at um, in terms of like acting and, and, and comedic chops whereas here there's like a lot less of that like he's he's a lot less bumbling and he's more like at a place in his life where like he wants to if not settle down, like do right by these people that he has chosen to partner with. And so like a lot of the times in the, in the game, he's, he's the person who's like, Hey, we need to calm down or like admitting fault and saying like, yeah, like we all, I, we all fuck up. I fuck up all the time. Um, I don't know. I, I found it, did, it didn't work for me at first, but I found myself like settling into that character uh, surprisingly. And I think it did a good job of like being able to carve out like a, Hey, if you're familiar with the movies, like, this is kind of like that, but then finding its own route to something a little bit different um, as a result. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like that it kind of had to, like it wasn't the exact same story as the movies or it wasn't like, right. like it, it took some from the comics and the movies in a way that it made its own like it made it its own thing. And it wasn't like one or the other, which I appreciated. And I think that, yeah, like. It definitely takes a second for it all to to gel. Uh, it's part partially just because you're like, who are these people? <laughs> like, like who are these like knockoff Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, I mean, and that's the that's the weird part of playing about these games is it is difficult for these games. I think part of this is you know it's easier with like a Spider Man or a Batman because like used to like oh yeah different people cycle in and out of playing these characters, whereas like Guardians in terms of like this pop culture status is a set of four actors um, like who have kind of like defined that in the popular consciousness. 
And so it is like, you know, that was the thing that Marvel's Avengers like had an issue with. It was like, they do look like, uh, oh, right. They couldn't get the likeness for the toy action figure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's like, a, here's a version of them. And they got the outfit, but they don't have the same face. And there's a little bit of that here. Like it's, 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 I think it's a little bit easier for Guardians because Peter Quill's the only like complete like, Terran, you know, right? Like Gamora, and, you know, looks humanoid, but like they, there's a little more for it to play with um, there. So uh, it's a little bit easier to get into. But I don't know. I feel, I feel like the game finds its footing in the first couple hours where I, I found myself charmed by, you know, Idos Montreal's take on on those four. That's it. If none of that works for you, like this game's not going to, there's like nothing else to hang its hat <laughs> well, on, I was, right? Like, I, think, I do want to say, like, I think, I think yeah. part of what we're getting at here is uh, if the characters don't work for you, if you don't want to hear them talk all the time, well, it's not like there's a backup. There's no plan B here. There's not like, oh, well, the <laughs> combat is like really interesting and the platforming and puzzles are, are fascinating. Guardians is the greatest um, immersive sim in years. Doesn't matter if you're a fan <laughs> of the genre or not. The there are a handful yeah. of like they clearly couldn't help themselves first person moments um, mm. where they just slot the slot the camera into first person. Like when you sit down in, in the Milano uh, before you like set off on the next mission um, or you're in uh, when like Peter Quill goes to like look in the bathroom and he can like kind of look at himself in, in the mirror. Like there are moments where the game switches to first person. It's like, oh, well, you guys used to make first person games. And so occasionally <laughs> you're going to put you're going to just slot this in here. And I appreciated it. Like and I kept mm-hmm. waiting for at some point, maybe there'll be some sort of first person sequence um, so they can lean into that <laughs> a little bit. But um, at least, you know, from, from what I've seen so far, I don't think that is the case. No. <laughs> well, and there was it's like, you know, the, obviously there were there were a couple things about this take on the characters. Uh, you know, you said you called out the fact that uh they sort of they they cast a I believe it's a white woman uh as, in the Gamora role, but the line that we didn't manage to work into the review because I was like, I just don't know how to make this come across. But you had this distinctive <laughs> like this feels like they recast like the entire thing has a vibe of it is Guardians of the Galaxy as placed by voice actors in the Toronto and Quebec uh, <laughs> like video game and TV uh, acting scene. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. like, did that remain a thing or was it like just a thing that you like a little bit of adjustment and then you then it went away or did it always feel just a little bit the line that the line that we ended up not going with was that it felt a little bit like sort of a regional market knockoff of mm-hmm. the heroes uh and, and i am kind of curious like did they did they sort of earn their stripes it's like okay yeah these are fine guardians or did it always feel uh like characters you fished out of that bargain bin in a uh like uh you know montreal bar uh dollar store <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm upset you wouldn't let me keep that line but it's okay it it would have been too and it would raise too many questions well i don't want to i don't, don't, don't bark like, up the wrong it French sounded like you, you, it was on between you and Quebec. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, damn, like people are going to think I was thrown down the gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, no, I think the, and the way I, I saw it was that it is like, that is the first impression, like, especially because the first character who speaks is like the teenage version of Peter Quill, who has a very clear Canadian accent. Like, it's not even like, like where you're like, oh, this sounds a little like it could be just <laughs> vaguely North American. No, he's like, sounds like he sh- he'd rather be speaking French. <laughs> Like 
like, he's just like, Mama, like, like <laughs> let me play with my comics. <laughs> no, I am like Roots. <laughs> um, and I was like, what am I getting into here? Um, but it's a first impression. And I think, yeah, like, like we talked about, I think like the writing and, and I think that all the, the actors do a good job of just like, of really inhabiting those roles to better and worse degrees. Like I do think like the Drax character stands out partially because that is like, maybe it's just like that kind of character, like lends itself to like the, like, or it is, is easy, like kind of, I wouldn't, maybe, maybe it's not easier. I, I just actually just think the voice actor did a good job with that character. I think maybe they had like the, probably the hardest, like the hardest yeah. role to step into, which is like Dave Batista, like, I know. You know so like memorable. really defined like the mannerisms and, and I, I, yeah. I, I found that like I, myself chuckling at some of the, the Drax stuff like quite a bit yeah. going along. They the right I think the writers found a good middle ground where it didn't feel like they were totally just trying to completely. It's still the yeah. same character like they're, they're, they're like they but they I don't know, they gave them a lot more depth yeah. in I, I maybe because they, yeah. they have more time yeah. like you know there's that optional sequence where uh, we're on nowhere um, and he's off like. Uh, you find Drax like ta- uh, looking at the I forget what they call it like whatever the proper noun is but it's basically there's. On nowhere, the the planet head and the and Marvel, where it's made out of the head of a, a celestial ancient being. There's like the edge of the universe, and this is just like, hey, matter is just falling into this, and at some point, it's going to get all of us. And mm-hmm. uh, you have this exchange, uh, basically, like, f- f- like what is heaven? Like, um, what is the afterlife with Drax? And mm-hmm. like, I thought, it, I thought it kind of ruled. Like, the movies only give Drax a little bit of space. In, to be yeah. like more than just kind of like a one note, you know, the movies essentially remove <laughs> Drax's entire background of being like the mm-hmm. killer of Thanos and, and all that. Like he, he's mostly just there to be uh, funny, um, but he's he's given like real like emotional depth, I thought, in, in the games, yeah. which is part of why if you like the movies like this is I almost feel like you're playing an interactive comic book because like the benefit of a TV show or a comic book is, oh, shit, there's like room to breathe for these characters to do things other than like run to the next spectacle and if the writer is talented enough, can they get in some emotional beats <laughs> like while, yeah. while the, the pretty lasers are are going off? And there's just more room for for that stuff here. And I, I thought Drax benefited probably the most of any character in which just getting more time to to do that stuff. Yeah, honestly, like thinking about it, I almost like this Drax more than the Dave Bautista Drax, partially because in the I remember the, in the sequel getting really annoyed <laughs> with his performance because they were like, say that say that tagline everybody loves like it just became like yeah i'm gonna laugh a lot when i laugh it's really funny because i'm a serious man and like that's so it ended up like feeling like overdone because they were just like leaning so into like the comicness of that character and yeah like in this like he's a lot more thoughtful and is like but he's still like super he's awkward. reading books like like you like be on the <laughs> yeah. milano and he's he's like sitting there yeah. you know reading a book of philosophy or whatever and then telling you about his <laughs> you know telling you about his wife but then he'll sneak in a joke about like how he turned her on and it was like this is you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and the game has what I, I will say i don't want to like spoil the bit I'll, I'll allude to it here for yusuf so he knows what i'm talking about but like when you go on to nowhere and there's someone who sneaks up behind. This is like when you're in a tiff with Rocket and 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 group, mostly just Rocket. And you enter into a bar, and there's someone who <clears throat> recognizes Peter Quill from his past, and you have to try and uh, defuse the situation uh, involving uh, Song. 
I, I, I don't know if that's going to land for everybody else. I was like genuinely like laughing my ass off at that <laughs> entire little section. It was one of the funnier bits I have experienced in a video game where mm-hmm. player choice just made the situation like much funnier than it would have been, or maybe not even funny at all if it weren't for the fact that the player was uh, going along with it. Um, and mm-hmm. this game is surprisingly funny. Um, and, and that, that part it's I'll be, I'll be charmed when people stumble upon that themselves because that one, that one little bit got me, got me quite good. Yeah, no, well, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's like, but it is like <laughs> where it's, I think as you spend more time with it, just where it shines, it it shines like even brighter than lot lots of lots of parts of the movies. Um, where because they, I think, I mean, there's a lot more pressure in that. I mean, there's probably pressure here, but I think like like you said, there's just like more room to breathe, and there's there is that maybe a little bit less pressure when you're dealing with characters that aren't the big big name actors and like aren't like don't have that like magnifying glass of attention on on it uh, and to the same extent because you almost because this is a it's a surprise when they succeed <laughs> it's a surprise when it works because you're like you really are just like who are these people <laughs> i don't like they are not like yeah they're just like they are allowed to to explore more than they probably would if they you know say had chris pratt in the booth or or you know whoever so I think that is like to its benefit, but I do. Yeah. I will just add, I mentioned the review, but like it was weird replacing Zoe Saldana with a white woman. Like I get a lot of the contextual elements of, of like of casting or like kind of the, the reason for it. But like, it just is like, that's kind of just the, the character in my mind to the, like that who's who the character is, is like part of it is like her portrayal of it. And I think a lot of the other characters, like, like I think it's clear they tried to like match the characters in as many ways as possible with their casting, and then like yeah, they're not running away from the cinematic. Like <laughs> no, they, like, yeah, you, you, like they, a lot of this is is very much. I mean, they even have you know you can find collectible uh, costumes that are just. Do you want them to be in their outfits from the two thousand you know whatever <laughs> yeah, movie? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and and you can you can put them in there, and so like they wouldn't be able to fall back on the argument that. It's like, oh no, we're doing like a, a big, yeah. you know, reinvention of it's an abstraction. Is. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> like, like uh-huh. this is like the only reason people give a shit is because of like, you know, Zoe Saldana's performance, you know, in, in that movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, shit. I think uh, even as someone kind of lukewarm on the Guardians, I'm like this sounds like a pretty fun way to engage with those characters. Like the the fact that you get, you're saying like. There's more space for the ensemble to do ensemble stuff, and I'm like, that's usually always what I want from stuff like this. That it sounds like, I mean, shit. I played, I played lesser triple uh, mm-hmm. A action action <laughs> games that I do mean, they way less. They also don't things. make a lot of games like yeah, this no, so anymore. Rare. Like, yeah. I do think I I am guilty. Like, I think I described on Friday when we were like, you know. Uh, talking about this game, getting ready to do this podcast. It's like, ah, it's like a six or a, if we did scores, like a six or a seven out of 10 plus or minus based on your affinity for these characters and Marvel stuff in general. Uh, and then also there's a little bit of, you know, there's, you know, uh, you know, the, the game, of Kana that came out, Bridge of Spirits that came out, you know, a month or so back in which that's a very PS2 ish like platformer game. And this game has strong, also strong like PS2, 
PS3 like action game vibes in which they just don't they don't make games like this anymore. It's like here's a 15 out 15 hour pretty straightforward action game. Take it or leave it. And it's like, "Uh, ah, okay, you know what? Sometimes that's fine. Like that's sometimes like just the popcorn is fine. And like that's not even a knock against the game. Like it's enough. Like it's a very pleasant way to have spent, you know, like the eight or nine hours that I've spent with it so yeah. far. And like, I'm like, maybe other people look at that and be like, there's so many other games I can be playing. And like, totally fair. Get it. hundred percent. Like not going to stop you. But like, especially I think if you come from a certain era where they made a lot of games like this, like having this little sheen on one of those is like that did, that did a lot. Um, it also seems like the kind of game that in six months will be on Game Pass and be like an easier sell for a lot of people. Uh huh. Yeah, it for sure will be, <laughs> or like PS Plus. Um, but I might be sold yeah. on that that little <laughs> like you. So when you sort of describe the mode, you'd be the perfect mode to be in for this game, where it's like a little tired of hanging out with family. You got some days off. <laughs> you finally get a minute to yourself, few hours. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, yep, okay. I guess I guess Guardians is going on the holiday staff. I saw I saw someone on Twitter describe it. It was like they were responding to the reviews that were like pleasantly surprised. And it was like, I love to be hung over the day after Thanksgiving and just give myself over to something slightly above average. And it was like, <laughs> they're like guardians is going to be it this year. And I was like, that might be Rob too. Yeah. I mean, I, cause I didn't play Marvel's Avengers. Uh-huh. Uh, to, and I heard, You're good. Like, I, I You're heard good. that it was like the model of it was trying to kind of, uh, get into some of the games of the service elements and some of the like Destiny esque like kind of end game stuff and it, yep. it for to its like hindrance and I'm like it's awesome that they did this game this way they were just like they yeah they really do not make games like this anymore like they do not make like tight single player experiences with like no DLC planned and like no like why you know no like end long tail of like of like you know income. Like, there's no, there's not even an in-game currency. Like, like I can't yeah, even, nothing. I can't even yeah, purchase done. the costumes. Like, would you like to, per, would you like to spend some yeah. in-game galactic credits to get these costumes? Like, no, yeah. like actually you can't, like they're just go look up a walkthrough on IGN and find the other ones. <laughs> and like, that is like stuff yeah. like that, you know, makes me, you know, root for it to some degree because it's like nice. It's pleasantly surprising to see a game this straightforward, even if it doesn't necessarily like move the needle in many directions like it, it not moving it in bad directions is itself like it's something to be uh mildly uh charmed by yep <laughs> all right so with that mild charm uh we'll take that with <laughs> us into the break and we'll be back uh afterwards to discuss age of empires 4 and whatever else uh crosses our mind back in a second When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
All right, so uh, I had a review go up uh, today of Age of Empires 4, uh, which I made sort of an impulsive decision. It was a 3 a.m. embargo, and no, I was like, oh, no, shit about a 3 a.m. embargo. When I, hmm. when I, I mean, when I, when I woke up this morning and be like, I'm going to take a nap, and I was like, he was up till 4 or 5 in the morning writing. <laughs> like, you do this, like, every once a year. <laughs> it just it just happens like you just you you don't even plan to do it and then all of a sudden rob is you know well, well uh was the article you wrote was that no that was oscar season last year so that was your equivalent of that a year ago was when you did the the respawn uh world war ii documentary thing yeah it's like i was up all night oops <laughs> yeah i um it, yeah occasionally it happened it, well i think it is also like entirely reflective of the number of distractions just tapered steadily starting around like 1130 at night. Mm. And like <laughs> by like one in the morning, it's like, you know, what is it? Was that phrase like Augusta silence when it comes <laughs> to just being able to focus in? Uh, that's me in the middle of the night, which is devastating because I also really love sleeping uh, at that time. <laughs> um, so it's, it's tempting. Yeah, it's, it's really useful for writing. Gosh, Rob. Really so demanding. Uh, so yeah, so I, like, I just sort of, I, I was sitting there, I was like, am I going to meaningfully feel different about this game, like, in a couple days time, like, am I going to want to put, I was like, nah, I'm just going to get this done, write about it, uh, and the, and, the, and the short answer is, I liked it way more than I thought I would, but also for some slightly weird reasons, um, to give a bit of context for this, we all remember the Age of Empires games, right? Uh, like, you know, base building RTSs in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, Age of Empires 2 is kind of the big one uh, that was the, the, the was the smash hit. Age of Empires 3, a lot of people didn't like it. Uh, it has some defenders. When I played the Age of Empires 3 Definitive Edition, I kind of understood why people didn't like it uh, much. <laughs> but uh, going back to... like, So Age of Empires 2 was kind of the... Uh, sort of the high watermark of the series. And I think a few years ago, as part of Microsoft reinvesting in this series and announcing they were going to make all these really uh, like lavish uh, HD definitive editions. Uh, and they announced this, this sequel pretty early, be like, hey, this is a long term yeah. thing we're working on while we go back through the history of the series and sort of like kind of in what they've done with Halo. Like, like hey, we're going to like preserve the history while working towards the future. But interestingly, uh, a bit like they did with Halo, except they didn't go with the 343 model. They created an in-house studio to handle, like, partnership deals around Age of Empires. Uh, so they created, like, an internal clearinghouse for, like, building Age of Empires shit. Hmm. And uh, I don't know that, you know, communicates anything how they feel about the three, how the 343 experiment has, has gone. It's probably just a different model that's appropriate to a different genre. Uh, but they ended up contracting Relic, um, who's I think now owned by Sega outright, but they, they brought in Relic to make Age of Empires 4. And I think at the time I was like, well, this is going to be super fascinating because Relic make really different sorts of RTSs than uh, was the convention that Age of Empires traditionally followed. And I think for a minute there, I was sort of expecting like, I was trying to imagine, like, what would an Age of Empires Company of Heroes look like? I couldn't imagine it, but I was, like, <laughs> I was ready to find out. But it's been clear for a while that 
Relic also couldn't imagine it, nor were they interested in trying. <laughs> uh, so, like when when I fired this up, I was I was kind of like, oh shit, they just they just made it Age of Empires two again in in a lot of ways, um, which isn't a bad idea because that game's really good. And I think one thing that I appreciate a lot more, and talk about this in my review, is like I think in nineteen ninety nine, it was. There were so many games that were like Age of Empires, and Age of Empires might have been a very good version of that kind of RTS, but it still was of a kind. And you had Relic, like literally, I think, either two or three days before or after Age of Kings came out, Relic released Homeworld, which was their 3D, like, spacefaring RTS. Um, really cool, and that's kind of where I where I gravitated towards uh, with my you know, even then unerring instinct of what would be popular and enduring in games. Uh, I was like, by Age of Empires 2, I'm going to become a homeworld guy. <laughs> um, so now it's kind of flipped. I feel like there are more RTS games that follow a slightly more tactical, uh, like, you know, scale. Uh, there, there's fewer that are like the the old Ensemble Studios games. Relic making a game in that vein feels fresher in some ways than like Age of Empires 2 did in its own context. Um, but the th that's all like, that's all well and good. Like that's a good RTS. That's fun. Here's the thing that I really didn't expect to enjoy this much. I really liked the, the campaign and, and, what I really liked about the campaign is that they have really lovingly channeled the vibe of just being stuck with nothing to do and watching like 12 hours of history channel a day. <laughs> um, this is like, mm. like the, the thing like, and that's, that might sound a, a little backhanded, but like the thing is, um, I've definitely been on those like family visits home where it's like, okay, turns out we had like two hours of really good conversation uh, between us. And, and now like, Oh, like, you know, the, the expectation here is we're going to leave the TV on and we'll just leave these history documentaries running uh, <laughs> all day long. And you start to like realize that they're, they're middling. They're fine, but they, they do pass the time pretty well. Age of Empires 4 is built around the best version of those types of documentaries where between every mission, it's like you get a little historical narration, placing this all in context. And then the bonus materials is like, would you like to know more as we deep dive on just random aspects of medieval life? And it turns out I really dig that. Like I am 100% here for it. I remember in your review that you, you said that, you, you know, your dad was a big fan of, of the games. And it, it, I, I could totally see that niche of like, of just like, like not somebody who plays a lot of games, uh, not like somebody who's trying to like see, play every RTS out there, but definitely like, Somebody who watches the History Channel, somebody who who loves European history, who loves world history, 
but you know wants to get the interactive version of it and like that from what i've played in the game it fully like hits that i could see like that being like somebody's game for like a few months right of just like working your way through it and and getting that getting that like historical context but also getting to be like i'm in it i'm playing the history um something i I, it did make me think about and actually I don't know if it, you felt this way. It kind of made me want to play Crusader Kings <laughs> because I was like, I was like, uh, European history is so bananas. Like they're just constantly, it's just like siblings that are just pissed at each other and sending armies across continents <laughs> like to settle like a family feud and like thousands of people are dying for no reason <laughs> and it's like so that, insane <laughs> that was something by the way that did there are like just weird little sides uh or things that just get passed over real quick and one of them is like there's this one moment where they're talking about like how the normans are consolidating their role over england and just as an aside they're like and then they went into yorkshire and killed like two hundred thousand people <laughs> And I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. As you do. As you like, do. Like, you know how many people that is in like year 1000, like numbers? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's so many people. And it's like, well, you know, they they wanted to rule England. What are you supposed to do? You got to kill yeah. a lot of these English. They're um, wearing the wrong colors. Well, and, and yeah, and like there is I definitely did have sort of a yen to get into this. I was thinking of Crusader Kings a bit because so much of the uh, English campaign in particular is like just squabbling family feud shit where <laughs> the English are at. Well, I guess they're all French, but then there's a bit of like, well, I'm English French and I deserve I, I should wear both <laughs> crowns and then all hell breaks loose. And then there's a series of shithead successions uh, with like terrible fail sons uh, <laughs> trying to be rulers. And then there's, uh, you know, an empress tossed in there whose crime is being an empress. Uh, mm. And everyone being like, I'll be damned if I serve a, a British queen. Uh, so, like, you have all that going on. Um, while I was playing this, I. I felt a, a very curious yen. Well, it might have also been because I was trying to get fired up for Dune. Um, <laughs> I watched The King, uh, which mm. is the uh, Timothy uh, Chalamet uh, like adaptation of Henry V. Yeah. Um, oh, it's that just came out, right? It came out like last year. It's oh, um, last year. Oh. it's 100% like... <sighs> It's somebody's fan fiction about Falstaff, basically, mm -hmm. is what it is. Like, mm -hmm. what if he was a really good dad? And <laughs> instead of Falstaff being kind of this broken down, uh, you know, th this broken down dirtbag that Henry turns his back on. What if instead uh, he mentors him into his great victory at Agincourt? And I was like, what if? And so I ended up uh, watching that. It was fun. It was cool. Um mm -hmm. But yeah, I think there's 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 an element of this because the the campaign like you go do a mission and the missions are rarely that taxing. Um, there's an awful lot of just watch your cool medieval shit do its thing. Um, there are so many sieges in this game, uh, which I like sieges. Uh, I love arranging fortifications and uh, like kill zones. 
there's so much of that in this game. Uh, even for me, maybe too much, but it does create <laughs> a lot of space for just watching the stuff, uh, you know, go down. And then in between missions, you can be like, all right, I need a break. I'm going to watch how they made chainmail suits. <laughs> and this is so niche. <laughs> I love the way you're describing all this. It's just like, like you can, you're either going to be so psyched to play this or you'd be like falling asleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> or you could be both. Cause I think that's also the nature <laughs> of the, just like vegging out and like just yeah. staring numbly at the history channel uh, is like, could you be doing more engaging things? Sure. But in the meantime, there's this group of grad students who are building a trebuchet. And so <laughs> we might as well see how the grad students are doing. Like, that's weird, but it's kind of cool. It <laughs> I is. I appreciate like, it. I appreciate you guys. There's a thing where yeah, it's like... I, yeah, I also like the um, the, a, the kind of AR history video. <laughs> like, that. It's that's great. I was like, oh, th- why has no one done this before? Probably people have done this before on History Channel, but I'm like, this is very, very well done. I just love watching, like, the French squares and like somebody's walking through them and then just like a bunch of like CG soldiers are just like storming <laughs> over the, the, the video. It's killer. Like this is such a cute thing. And yes, I want more mm-hmm. documentaries to do this. They've invested mm-hmm. heavily in um, drone shots of tourist locations. And then they're mm-hmm. like, and this is what it might've looked like when armies were pouring through here, <laughs> except they use the outlines of the age of empires for like unit models to mm-hmm. do this. And so, yeah, you do get little AR things of like, um, yeah, it'll, it'll be like a parking lot in like can, for instance, and they will just show like troops swarming over people's Peugeots and shit. It's like, yeah, this is, this is cool. Um, this is, yeah. it, it, it's, <laughs> it's pretty charming. Um, it actually reminds me of, um, I don't know if you've played it, that yes, came out recently i reviewed it for indie game website it's svoboda 1945 i believe mm-hmm. is like the name but it's like a historical interactive game uh like but about like a czech town on the czech german border during world war ii and the premise of the game is like you're going back to the village to like kind of uncover some of the history and interview people who lived there during the time lived there at the time it's all fictional it's all it's it's 90% like footage and, and like shot. Um, and so there's a little bit, it's like basically like a video uh, FMV game. But it, I felt a little bit of that like when I was watching this where it's like, there's this like interesting niche for games to incorporate video because it's a lot cheaper than doing the whole thing in CG and often looks a lot better. Um, and there were, it almost seemed like I was like, this Svoboda game has a lot of really interesting things. It's also very indie, doesn't have a big budget. And they, they did try every now and then to have interactive elements where like there's one where you were trying, where you had to play as a Czech farmer post-World War II when like the communist government like was um, taking over and, and selling off the land. And um, so you're kind of, it's almost like this interactive mode that is trying to tell a story. And I, I was like thinking while playing um, Age of Empires, it's like this is a model that could work for yeah, lots of historical moments where you can you can uh, have the the video element, have like the the just the historical drama element, but also like p- 
put some, you know, get some like actual investment into the the gameplay part of it as well. Yeah, I, I was talking about that too. Where um, I think once upon a time you would have found a lot of stuff like this in game manuals. Um, for you know, back when they would publish like huge thick game manuals, and you'd have an appendix talking about like some of the sourcing. Uh, in board games, they still do like designers' notes that that dig into a lot of this. Um, but this is like a really lavish approach to that. And I think the other thing I appreciated was um, <laughs> it's a nice way to sort of draw a line between, okay, like we're making an RTS game about history, but like that's not real history. Like that's that's an RTS game. It's going to follow those, that, that logic. Uh, but here we're going to fill in some of the blanks about like what we're drawing from. And I enjoy that level of it as well, where you have sort of documentary breaks to go talk to people who are researching this <laughs> yeah. and, and care about it, which I think is is in some ways like I think the danger of stuff like like Crusader Kings, right, is they really are uh, fairly like carefully researched. Like there's a lot of history and there's a paradox. That's their bag. Uh, they're, they're always trying to think about like how they. Uh, approach and model history and I get that but at the same time there's kind of an illusion of precision I think that those games invite uh, which is I think Brett Devereaux and other folks have even written about like you end up with people playing these games and they think oh well now I understand these historical dynamics and it's like mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes but it really depends on like you understand a model of these historical mm -hmm. dynamics but it's not going to be universal and it's dangerous to draw too much from that and I think the, yeah, it can be tricky with a paradox game where so much of it is they sort of show their work in designer's notes, but then it goes into the black box of the program and people are like, yep, this is, this is a pretty good representation of, of how the history worked. And it's yeah, like, it, yeah, it's a pretty robust simplification, man. It expresses like the vibe. <laughs> like it's like, it's a vibe. Yeah. simulator of of being in the medieval times not of actually being like you know being a ruler right and and so i i do kind of enjoy that here it's like we're going to take a break and we're going to go see uh academics who are trying to like hew stone out of the ground and build a castle to see if they can and yeah. it's like you know it's it, it's cool to go check in with people doing this work um and it, it does so you're telling me the, the gameplay element of like being uh, the superpowered king like rushing a castle's ramparts with just you on your horse like demolishing soldier after soldier <laughs> is not accurate to the histor historical precedent no i mean that's real uh kings, <laughs> yeah, were, okay. kings were badasses back then that's why divine right existed yeah, yeah they were um, literal gods so that yeah. actually makes sense they could not die yeah um you know you want to unless more. they were fail sons yeah, pretty much. Uh, no, but I, I, I enjoy this. I enjoy these parts of uh, of the games. I think also uh, something I'll shout out real quick is the campaigns themselves are pretty decent. Um, they still don't get into all the differences between the factions. The factions are pretty interesting. I mean, it's it's funny in the English campaign, you spend so much time fighting the French and other English. Uh, that it's easy to sort of miss how different the factions are. And when you dip into multiplayer, it's like. I have no idea how to play these people like none whatsoever. <laughs> like I like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you start digging into like the Holy Roman empire, uh, or, or something. Um, and you're like, well, these are sort of like what I was doing before, but there's some like special abilities and powers that 
completely change what I'm supposed to do with the basic elements and that I haven't understood yet. And I'm gonna have to go back and uh, put more time into. So like, it's a game that is very welcoming, but I think it also conceals the fact that like, yep, this is still also um, an RTS. You can really lose yourself in and uh, sort of spend a lot of time pouring over. So I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately I'm I'm surprised by how the weird thing is after the definitive editions came out, I kind of wondered what would be left for a game like Age of Empires for, uh, Mm -hmm. because we now have, you know, really polished, uh, modernized versions of the previous games and Age of Empires four, um, is still more my bag. Uh, I think it's it's still doing enough interesting new things um, that they're more in line with some relic type sensibilities uh, that that they've got me they've got me on board um, like namely the fact that, like there's concealment now um, and so that is a small change but ends up making the maps way more interesting because old school Age of Empires is frequently like the map unfolds in a series of it's a maze and it's about controlling the maze. Uh, here there's, there's a little bit more of a little bit more, um, gradation between passable and impassable terrain. So that stuff is fun. Uh, but, but mostly like I, it's been a long time since I've just enjoyed a low impact RTS campaign like this. (laughs) Um, this is just perfect. Uh, so it's got got nice flavor too. Like I like, um, how, like I haven't, yeah, played like, yeah, I haven't played an RTS I'm not good at RTSs, so I don't play them very much. But I, I definitely always appreciate like the little details they add to to make things feel unique. Like with this, I really like how the sound works. Like where a, if a scout sees a like an enemy, they kind of like hey, <laughs> they kind of like shout yeah. back. They're really good at carrying their voice, apparently. <laughs> but you're always like <laughs> hearing like you know like you're. It's like an interesting way to split because your attention is always split in RTS. Like you're always like, I need to go make more troops. Like, but I also have to make sure the troops that are out, out that are out on the field aren't exposed and having those, um, the sound cues there actually like do a whole lot to add to then augment the, the visual side of the game with like, you know, an audio awareness that I haven't noticed playing like, you know, other, I, other RTS games, especially not from that, from that period. Well, I think there's also a degree to which um, it's stripped down enough that some other games throw so many different audio cues at you that like it's all like it all just begins to sound like action and like Mm -hmm. combat and like sound effects. And so you lose sort of the like every sound might signify something, but there's so much of it hitting all at once that like you don't get the clear prompts that this game is very clear about like. Um, it does a lot of like Pavlovian conditioning of the player, I would say, uh, mm-hmm. where it's like, I now know I heard a sound. My eye is going to zip down to the mini map and I'm going to see that my attention should be on something. Mm-hmm. It's very good at that, which which it has to be, because I think one of the other interesting things, uh, this was sort of my last point. It's funny that like the things they decided to leave in place, namely that your your armies are not very smart. And they will not take <laughs> care of themselves if you ignore them. They really um, will. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I was reading uh, 
you know, I was reading Len Hafer's review over at IGN, and I, I totally get where she's coming from, uh, which is that, like, in terms of pathfinding, in terms of unit behavior, this is such a throwback game. Like, these are th- these armies will just... Like, if you're like... Uh, if you right-click to move on something, these armies will just march themselves to their death and not detour, not, like, get... Not <laughs> hesitate. They'll just all get killed. If you right-click on an enemy instead of attack moving in the direction of an army... All your units will desperately try to kill that one enemy unit um, until it's dead, and then they'll start reacting. Uh, <laughs> but until then, they'll all waste their waste their movement and uh, and and fire. And so you really do have to kind of babysit these armies and micromanage them to get the most out of them. RTS, baby. But the thing is, that's less the trend now, right? Like sure, if you play like I, Company I, of I, Heroes. I was gonna say like there. What what do you what do you count as now? Like what even is the thing now? Because the last one I played was StarCraft Two, and that still was had like wh- the way that that was kind of you know designed. Yeah, I mean definitely also a bit of a throwback. But like even StarCraft Two, I think had you have your stand the ground stand your ground mode. I think an aggressive stance mode, and then like a local like guard mode. Here it's very binary, where it's either I'm gonna leave your aggro radius on, uh-huh. in which case units will just get pulled and kited apart right and left, or right. I'll be like, you guys stand your ground, and they will just stand there under fire, dying in droves. <laughs> um, he told and, me to stand my ground. What what am I supposed to do? Yeah. So like a lot of a lot of RTS games have tried to create like, well, okay, we aren't going like, is it interesting for the player to have to babysit these like you know, dumbass units. No. So we will, we'll give them some better like unit behaviors. And here is very much like, no, you have to babysit your little toy soldiers. <laughs> They're toy soldiers. They don't have brains. Uh, and so like, that is just part of what you have to do. And it's an interesting choice. And I don't, I don't hate it. Cause it, it does. It explains like why they keep the unit count so small. Um, mm-hmm. Because like, your pop cap is 200 in this game. Um, it's that's sort of a series norm, but it's not that big. Um, and if you compare it with like games that came out later uh, after like Age of Empires 2, like the Supreme Commander series, where it was just like, we can have as many units as you can <laughs> as you can stand in the game. Uh, this limits it. And you sort of see why they want this to be manageable because your units are unmanageable. Uh, right. and so like, it's a real, like they've already decided there's the, the attentional pie for players is only so big and here's how we're going to divide it. And you're going to work within those constraints. And, uh, I get why, like some folks might find that a bit backward looking and frustrating. I probably would have too, but just kind of hits right i don't know it just kind of works um it makes it makes a certain sense where you know if you see yourself as like you're like this commander of probably like conscript units that are not really that like i mean they're trained but they're still humans and like so they're going like even like on the opposite side of what you're saying as like them being dolls it's like i could totally see a situation where i'm just like all right like attack this castle or attack this like part of the fort, and then some some archer starts shooting at them, and they're like, I'm gonna go kill that guy. And then you're like, No, 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 come back, no. And then like half your army chases after like oh, one like, archer and like exposes themselves. You're like, 
I mean, like your spearmen love to veer. They're slow and they love to veer <laughs> off like cavalry do yeah. a drive by on them. And they're like, I'm just going to chase this across the map now. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's like all sorts of little behaviors that you can exploit uh, that are totally like built into this game and become sort of part of the the dance. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a funny thing. This is traditionally not the sort of RTS I love. Um, this is, was not really a series I, I loved a great deal in the past. And here I am, like, just absolutely loving Age of Empires 4. Um, completely delighted and, uh, you know, highly recommended. Uh, if you're, I don't know, that like, highly recommended in particular, like, <laughs> if you're going to, like, in that more, like, I want to sit in my easy chair, like, put on my slippers and enjoy <laughs> some nice you know, welcoming RTS stuff. Like this is, this is perfect. I think the multiplayer is, uh, you know, pretty, pretty good too. Um, I think I, I still might gravitate toward other stuff as far as that goes, but like that campaign with those, the, those fun little missions and the, and the little mini documentaries, um, nothing else like it. Absolutely love it. So, uh, you know, that's, that's Asian Mars four. I think it's, I think it's out this week, uh, Thursday, I want to say. Um, so reviews, reviews went up, in the middle of the night last night, uh, but the actual release is uh, in a, in a few days. Um, anything else we want to hit before we uh, before we call it here? Um, I, I we could do a very quick hit on Metroid because I finished that game last night. Yeah, finally circled back around and did the damn thing. Um, I ended up really enjoying Dread uh, a lot. Uh, I think some of the best boss designs in the series in general and honestly they've kind of ramped up my favorite bits about metroid as a series that are in general kind of like the escalating movement options um there's like they added a lot more in this one like it feels really good to just be fast as hell and run through these levels and avoid like like they've put in so many things where you can like slide under enemies in a really great way where like if I'm just trying to get from A to B and want to go as fast as possible, I don't even have to engage in combat necessarily if I don't need any like health pickups or or, or anything. I just slide under these motherfuckers and keep moving, uh, things like that. And it's just um I think mechanically definitely the best in the in the of the 2D games. Like it, it feels awesome. Uh, and all of the ad- additional things like the lock on missiles and the dashes, the like uh, dodge dodges and all that were really, really fun uh, additions to that uh, formula. You got to learn how all that shit works. You can't like, you yeah. cannot, you will not like, at a certain point. I don't know, maybe like post. Well, I guess I don't want to spoil it quite yet, but like yeah. there's a certain at a certain point, the game you learn the moves. Oh like yeah. You, we have taught, we have, we have taught you. This is what the game is about. You, you are not going to get out of, you're not going to get out of dread, like just spamming missiles, which you can kind like, you got enough energy tanks and super Metroid. You can mostly just kind of spam, right. spam away. Oh, that, and um, that's the, that's the, yeah, that's the big, that's kind of the biggest difference. I think between this one and super Metroid, at least is that this is much more, you need to learn the cycles and avoid getting hit ever. Where Super Metroid at a certain point is like, you can tank a lot of the stuff. You're going to tank a lot of the stuff. It's more like you you're, you don't need to dodge as much uh, during most of those fights. And this one, it's like... Well, because you, you can't, you can't, you can go... It's like the, oh, hey, your reward for exploring, yeah. finding shit, is that 
you More. can kind of just you can kind of just tank your way through these yeah. these like spectacle fights. And <laughs> what 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 Dread says is, well, actually, you're gonna need to go find those energy tanks because because uh-huh. like every hit is gonna take from it's these gonna bosses gonna is gonna take out matter. like two energy tanks. Uh, and so you're not gonna want to get hit. But um, also, it also does the great thing of where like if you get good at the avoiding and learning the patterns the final run of the a boss is likely a no hit run right like yeah or pretty pretty close it's like or, like, or it's, yeah. like, it's 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 negligent to the point of like ah i have passed so it's really pass. like you need the extra energy tanks in order to make your like mo- your amount of time learning the pattern longer <laughs> you know Correct. like it makes it easier to kind of pick up on things and, and not go down as quickly but still like yeah that that it's like you might die once or twice in like super metroid to a boss uh if that most of the times like a lot of the earlier ones if you kind of grok what the mechanic is you can kind of get through it uh ridley is kind of the one exception in that one where like i feel like that fight is just uh you know kind of difficult in general in this one it definitely felt like i didn't one shot any boss like at all in the entire game um and it didn't feel bad you know it's got that like it's got that like dark soulsy thing of just like i'm i'm learning something new each time it feels like i'm making progress still uh like even though i'm dying more than i've ever died in a metroid game i'm enjoying learning the learning those patterns and it doesn't feel too bad to get uh 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 kind of smacked down <laughs> early on um and yeah i think i think i like off the bosses and the and the kind of new additions they did to the to the combat and like the new powers and stuff i feel like i came off really high on that and then the overall structure i kind of i like appreciated because i don't have a lot of time in my life but i feel like in a different world i would have enjoyed wanting being able to go back to different places a yeah, little easier. I really wish it was. A, I really wish like you get to that final boss. Like get like yeah. The game is like far more linear than it than is suggested. Yes. By uh, and I mean Metroid is tr- that's generally true of Metroid. Like, yeah. Yes, you can do things non-linearly, but if you're playing the game yeah. the way the designers are pushing you towards, it is it is a fairly linear path. You're just kind of exploring things till you find that yes. the path they want to push you down. This one. I mean, it's just, it's hyper, like you just, you got to go here because this is the, this is the way we want you to go next. It's very curated and that's fine. Like I think it, I think it, they're fine in the sense that it fits what they're attempting to do. And I think it does that part really well. Mm. But like I finished, when I finished my review, I think I got like 70, 77% of the items. Damn. I I want, I wanted to, because I got to the end and then like was like, ah, I'm going to go back and do a bunch of passes. And it's like, well, maybe I'll, then I'll go and do the, the you know, the, the remaining, you know, percentage after I finish the game. Um, but what I realized when I finished it was like, that would be a giant pain in the, the time to do that was before <laughs> I beat the game because yeah. I want, I wish there was a just full unlock, which is like, oh, you're, Samus is super powerful now. And now <laughs> she doesn't, she's not constrained by the limits of teleportation on this, on this planet. Like, just let yeah. me drop where I want to drop. Cause there's no, I tried, yeah, I tried to go back after the boss and I was just like, or after nah. the final boss. And I was just like, this is tedious. This is yeah. too tedious to explore. Yeah. Like, and you have, even when you have this, like your final power up spin where you can kind of like blow through blow everybody. Through and like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's still like, 
I'm just like, where is this thing? And you go, to, like, I got to go up and or left and right and up into the elevator and the teleporter. And it's just like, and no, it's, yeah, I, I want to look happening. at a map on IGN <laughs> and then line that up with yeah. my Switch map. Click it. It was like, and send yeah. Samus there so I can, because the fun is, yeah. hey, I know this is, this like, this sequence is a, a puzzle one where it's like, yeah. I got to string together like three different moves really tightly and I'm, I'm going to spend oh 20 minutes trying to figure out and those are really good but I don't want to spend I did like three of them and was like I, but yeah I don't want to find them anymore um, yeah or, or that's really the anymore. big thing is that in the funneling there weren't enough moments of like okay your next objective is in a direction where you've already been but you have a new power yeah. now's the time to wipe up like there were a few times when that kind of happened organically but I wish that happened kind of more often where it's like oh I have a new thing. I'm in this old area. I'm going to find all the secrets this time around. Um, The ones that I did find though, like there were a lot of really fun, like uh, shine spark puzzles that are like tough, like really fucking difficult to pull off. Uh, One apparently that I posted on Twitter that wasn't even intended, which was fun uh, where apparently there's a, 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 an ability or not apparently, like I, I know at this point, but there's an ability that I didn't have, but I still was able to get it through a combination of like very rapid shine sparking and bomb, like regular bomb usage. And it's like, oh, that's neat that that's, that's still an option available to me. Like I was able to get that even though like everyone was like, yeah, you come back through this and it's way easier to drop in from the other side. <laughs> like, um, but it, it it feels like they've built in more of those types of things to the like extra item puzzles and it's more like those are just fun to execute because it feels good to like hit hit those wall jumps hit whatever like duck and dodge you need to do to get the speed to get the shine spark to get to the item um and i just wish yeah i wish it like put those in front of me more often than having to go back and find them after the fact especially given uh I want to talk about a small spoiler thing, I guess. Um, let's so uh, let's, let's, take, let's the, like we should do. Well, do we can just do a small spoiler segment yeah. another time. Um, but yes, because I finished it and you finished it, and so we should do a uh, we can do, <laughs> we can do a, a Metroid Dread spoiler thing. If not, maybe next Monday or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. We should, we should. But yeah, we, I, yeah. We need we need to, we need to talk about the you are blank uh, segment. Oh my um, <laughs> yeah. Fuck. You are blank. You are you are blank blank from mm. the words. You know, you uh-huh. know what it is if you yeah. play the game. Um, that yeah, classic Metroid saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know <laughs> they're saying they're it always the saying. Yep. Uh, Good but game, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fun. Like really fun to move around and really enjoyed all those bosses. Hey, and, Mercury Stream made me think about fucking crediting the people that work on your game, though. You know. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a not a not a not a big ass. So I was there for eight. I, I was there str- for eight months. Yeah, you can you can you can put their name in the credits. Yeah, have they, re- have they responded responded yet to any of like this? Yeah, there were yeah the response reporting. sucks shit. The response was well, we need people to be there for whatever arbitrary amount of time, or if they make a I'm paraphrasing meaningful contribution to the work. Oh, um, and that's that's yeah. not Obje- objective marker. You of- know, it's better. Don't <laughs> say anything at all um, uh, <laughs> yeah. or not, because because I actually think that reveals that's what we're revealing about how most studios probably handle it, which is that if you're not there to the end credits so they can crunch you along the way, 
it has to be something like so overwhelmingly meaningful to the game that like somehow it triggers an ethical lapse at the studio level where they, they have to credit you. Um, and you know, especially you know, this was, it's been written up everywhere, but you know, the, the, I think originally was a, uh, a Spanish publication that, that wrote this up and, you know, they, they pointed out that, um, uh, uh, it's, you know, that the, the, the worker that was on the game, like, yeah, a bunch of their work wasn't in there that they could find, but some of it was. And it's like, at that point, that sure seems like you should be credited. Mm-hmm. Um, like mm-hmm. <laughs> I think even if you do work that doesn't make it into the game, that's still a process of getting to the finish line, but at least like, it's even more egregious when you can find evidence of the stuff you've, you've done. And so, yeah, uh, it's just like so unnecessarily petty, like the, just seeing your workers that way is like, this is you are not well, like, this this studio specifically so it's like yeah. it's 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 uh people have forgotten now like the studio worked on like lords of shadow like the very crummy like castlevania 3d games from the i think ps3 era um they they've had some labor issues in the past and so Ugh. there is a there is a history at this studio of problems in in various directions and uh, you know, it's it's cool that they're making good Metroid games because that that makes me happy. But it would be you know, it'd be better to live in a world where, you know, give the people credit, let them work normal lives. Um, and we're not we're not quite there yet. Um, but at least at least I want I at least wanted to note that was we didn't know that at the time when I reviewed the game and it has since come out uh since then and it sucks. Yeah, why can't we just be excited about video games for being? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just like that the through it. line of of, of, of uh, the two major games today was like, did they do anything all that wildly different? Nah. <laughs> have a good time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Video games. Uh, yeah. And um, I, wasn't that Idos Montreal that said they're going to do four days a week? Or they're pl- working, they're planning they did. on doing yes, that? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, it was like a... Yeah like some caveats there which is um i believe that they have an on-site qa team that is technically in the building but they're not idos montreal they're like square enix and so like this is only applying but they they they're not on people right and so like you know it's cool that like the idos montreal team is taking the step those are important markers and all sorts you know uh in in like better labor uh, uh progress in the industry but yeah like it's like kind of shitty to imagine like you work in the same building potentially in the same you know uh, cubicle areas but you you, mm-hmm. you got to come in on friday when nobody's in yeah uh that's or like wasn't the, at, at, the outsource teams too like are they, oh yeah that, like you know are they leaning more heavily in outsource is that what that means well that's triple a yeah. in general right like you yeah they're you already have, doing it you 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 know uh, you either have like uh, you know art outsourcing that's happening to all sorts of different you know studios across the world, or even just the you know uh, even a game like Halo Infinite, which is being you know being made across you know like you know several different uh, developers. It's like you know you just you have no idea. Well, nice you, you do have an idea. They are probably not pushing those policies on the external studios. If anything, like as much as I'm happy what's happening out of Montreal, that is like so much more. I think. A reflection of the fact that that area is like so hyper competitive for work that mm. I, it almost comes across as yeah sure like we're treating our workers better but also it's like the almost the equivalent of like and we've got a pinball machine in the in the break room you know like <laughs> yeah. it's just there's so much money to, you know there's so many developers up in in that area right now um and especially with like some of the exodus that's happening at places like ubisoft um i think they it's cool. It's it's better that people get that day off. Um, 
but there's a it'll be curious to see where that stands a year from now um uh but i mean that's kind of that's one of the major dilemmas of the entire like neoliberal model of like labor relations right of like what about tiers of employees what about Mm -hmm. like some people get like the super special benefits and treatment other people do really similar jobs but like they're contractors or they're an offshore uh they're they're an offshore collaborator um and they will not get those deals in fact might be bearing the brunt of the costs uh incurred by this policy being given to the other folks and so like uh you know it's it's not a new thing by any means it's just, i suppose getting more nakedly visible in video games uh but it is such a like f- standard feature now of mm-hmm. like manufacturing uh around the world and uh hopefully like hopefully people can effectively like organize and, and push back against it uh right because I, like one of the really insidious things about this is it fosters a i've got mine mindset right it sort of mutes a lot of the protests that uh employees might raise if you can sort of divide them into categories where some people are like yeah I've got a good deal. I like I like working those four days. Shame about those guys working six days. But obviously, <laughs> if I were in their shoes, I would simply get hired to the four day job. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's something to definitely keep an eye on. And uh, it certainly seems like this current strike movement is coming for those arrangements anyway. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what this how this landscape evolves. Uh, you know, over the coming months. Uh, that is a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, on Facebook and YouTube at Waypoint Vice. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Patrick, where can people find you? At Patrick Kopik. Cotto. At A underscore Cotto underscore appears. Yusuf. Uh, uh, yeah. I was going to say you could find me at YumiU on Twitter. And also, we, before the show, we were joking about um, it is it is the push yeah, the, the plea needs to be made. Friends. We I, we need uh, to push the Wayport audience to support what's going on here. Oh yeah, so uh, Unwinnable Magazine, uh, who I write for monthly, is doing a subscription drive for uh, October, and we're trying to get to 100 new subscribers this month. Uh, so uh, definitely head over to unwinnable.com to. To look into it, um, they've got a lot of articles available if you haven't read it in the past. But if you are familiar with it, we definitely would appreciate, um, you know, signing up because it's completely subscriber based. And uh, we're just trying to, you know, get get the support we need to keep keep doing the cultural and media and games writing that that we've been doing for they've been doing it for it. A while now, at least like a decade. A long time. Like, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> I can now say without any shame, I'm surprised that it went this well. <laughs> like when when Sue Horvath and some other folks uh, like coming out of deserting the burning deck of kill screen uh, mm. unwinnable sort of took shape. I was like, this is cool. I wonder, you know, how long it will go. It's been it's been going strong. Uh, and each time I check in, um, you know, the the writing is even better than the last time uh, I checked it out. So it's been going from strength to strength. And I'll bet I'll bet those page layouts would look great on my surface. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll bet that is a tablet friendly 
publication. Very lovely art uh, layouts. Just like you need to get that PDF in your <laughs> inbox. Of course, my surface developed a weird screen flicker this weekend. Oh, here we go. So, you know, the greatest uh, tablet computing device ever made may, like mighty Achilles, uh, have some little weaknesses that aren't visible. Did you tap it too hard when you're trying to uh, get into the Twitch chat, Rob? (laughs) I I don't know. I just... So, the... It just started. It, it was it was kind of a maddening thing. It was flickering, mm-hmm. but it was the sort of flicker where if you're staring straight at the at the screen, it doesn't seem to be flickering that badly. You're like it's something up, and then you look like just three degrees off center, and it's just like strobing, and <laughs> oh, no. just like utterly, uh, <laughs> just utterly eyesight ruining. Couldn't handle it. Uh, got to keep and- your you got to keep your view directly perpendicular to the surface. Like, come on, you're just doing it wrong. I mean, that's how you like to use tablets, right? Yeah, you just yeah. you just hold it in front of your face, <laughs> yeah. uh, like yeah. you're taking a photo, uh, and it's perfect. <laughs> um, and then Microsoft for the support, arm strength, just hold it up the whole time. <laughs> Microsoft support had some. The troubleshooting was was really robust, but they had some interesting observations. Like, boy, there's driver conflicts uh, all over with this thing. And I was like, but I just bought it from y'all. And they're like, well, I don't know. I don't know what the story is here, but this this driver ecosystem doesn't make any sense to me. You should just you should just upgrade to Windows 11. And I was like, OK, I guess we'll see if that works. Uh, and it, it seemed to fix it. Uh, it. It seemed to it seemed to solve the problem. Um, on the other hand, Windows 11 is weird. It feels like I've landed on an alien planet and I don't like it. Um, that alien planet being off-brand Mac interface, um, mm. so that's that's thrown me. Uh, but anyway, so how long I'll until bet- we until we hear about Rob's brand new iPad Pro? <laughs> Never. <laughs> no, he'll buy he'll buy a new. He'll sell this on eBay and buy a new uh, yeah. Surface because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. they announced those new ones right when he bought this. Like, Next time's the charm. Uh-huh. Okay, yep. so Microsoft warranty department. Don't listen to this part. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say the screen flicker developed. I was doing a little cooking. Oh, the Surface. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. The Surface was not on a burner. And it was not on a running stove, but it was near. Too many qualifications happening in this. <laughs> it was it was proximate. This is this is similar to that popular tweet that was going around a, a couple of weeks back. That was someone sharing uh, th- their disastrous uh, Apple Genius Bar appointment, in which they they spilled uh, some soup onto their keyboard and then brought it in to see like, could you? My keyboard, my keyboard doesn't work anymore. Could you could you look at it? And the guy, the man, sheepishly comes back and is like, "Ma'am, we opened up the keyboard. And there's chunks of chicken and noodles." Inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! But she decided she tried to shoot her shot and just you know you, oh, never, no. you, you never know. Uh, oh I maintain God. I did nothing oh. warranty violating. I just had it. I was just I was. Doing things that I'm sure millions of people buy. Correlation a is not to do. causation, Rob, is what mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that Steam had anything to do with it. Anyway, uh, so 
You can also check out what we published on waypoint.vice.com. Uh, my review of Age of Empires 4 and Yusuf's review of Guardians are both live on the site right now for our Waypoint Plus listeners. I think you're going to have uh, the Manhunter show uh, going up this week. Uh, Kato, is that correct? Is it? It might be. Is it? I think it's, I think it's correct. It might be. We'll see, because it, it, it depends on how ready we are for what, for Friday. Basically, if I need Wednesday... If I need Wednesday to like continue to do stream setup, it might be get pushed a week. That's true. I keep but forgetting Friday. Friday. No, the thing that we should talk about. Waypoint. God damn it. <laughs> Burying shit at the end of a two-hour podcast. I'll put it All back at the front stream. again. I'll put it Thank back you. at the front. I put Thank it at the front last time too. People people enjoyed it. <laughs> I'll do it. Hey, I told people to find us on Twitch at I didn't, did I? No. Twitch.tv slash Waypoint. <laughs> anyway, that's where you'll find us all day long on Friday, starting at 10 a.m. Yeah. playing games with friends of Waypoint past and present. Uh, everyone's favorite games that they've been keen to hear us talk about, like Duskers. Uh, if, that sounds, if that sounds good, or you just want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe, not only to get access to our premium feed, uh, but you're also helping support Waypoint and especially Waypoint streams. So once again, that's waypointplus.com. Uh, and once again, that's twitch.tv slash waypoint uh, for the five-year anniversary stream. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. I think this is just too much to have in an outro, really. That's the real problem here. <laughs> anyway, that's us calling time on this Monday's episode. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I think I nailed that. Yeah, that was great. Beautiful. Great.